You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins, powered by BetUS, 879-BETUS or BetUS.com. Well, that was certainly better than last week against the New Orleans Saints. My goodness, the Greg Bedard Podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. And Legends, a premium athletic apparel built for the modern athlete, owned by some of your favorite athletes, including Willie McGinnis, number 55 himself. Greg, before we get into the game and the film breakdown, just a couple of things outside of the game that I wanted to ask you about. First, mm-hmm. we had the quick embrace in the post game between Belichick and Brady. And I feel like the Belichick haters were lining up to kill him because, oh, it was a two-second hug. But... <laughs> But then we found out that uh, Brady and Belichick met for 15, 20 minutes in the Tampa Bay locker room area, undisclosed room. And uh, it seemed like it was a pretty good meeting. Just your thoughts on that meeting and and why it happened when it happened. Yeah, Nick, I don't know if I said it on here last week or I don't know. I did a bunch of interviews last week, so I'm not sure where I said it. But basically, I hit the... um... I hit the double fecta with the uh, I thought that there would be a half hug embrace on the field. And I did mention that I thought there would be a behind the scenes meeting, possibly in the Buccaneers locker room. Now, I didn't have any inside information on that. It's just normally the way things go. So the that's what I expected. I, I didn't expect anything huge on the field. Just, you know, good enough, you know, like, you know, love you, bro. See you later. Um and the locker room thing, it's not a big deal to me. I've seen Bill do that before, whether it's he's met with coaches, assistant coaches, other players. I've seen him do it before a handful of times. Uh, so that, that he did that is not unusual to me. I think it's good that they got that time together um, by themselves. And, uh, you know, I assume it was, you know, there's really in the visiting locker room at Gillette, there's a, there's basically like one one doorway that leads to the training room and where the coaches get dressed and stuff like that. So there's there's plenty of space back then there for them to have a little private conversation. I assume I bet it was held in the training room since it was it seemed like it was pretty late in the night where most of the guys were gone and on the buses and Brady had to he went straight from there to his press conference so that. Things went down the way it did. Does not surprise me at all. I, I think that's par for the course. It's good that it happened, and I think it gives 
everybody sort of a uh, clean departure uh, from here. Everybody can move on. It gives them the closure. They they finally had some person-to-person closure with what's happened over the past year plus. Uh, the second thing, quickly, there is this tit-for-tat happening between Belichick and Seth Wickersham. Uh, you talked about Seth last week. You are friends with Seth. You respect mm-hmm. his work. You trust in his work. Uh, Belichick yep. on Greg Hill yesterday said that he doesn't even think he's ever spoken to Wickersham. Uh, Wickersham quote tweeted that tweet that was sent out and said, that's kind of strange. I've spoken to Bill uh, recorded on the record before, and he listed some of the things that he's actually spoken to Bill about, including Brady himself and the draft, et cetera. Uh, What do you make of this back and forth? Is it just Bill being Bill, just trying to swipe this off as an an unnecessary distraction? And uh, Wickersham has receipts, which obviously will make Bill look pretty bad. Yeah, I I think that Bill's just trying to get rid of the story as cleanly as possible. He knows that um, a great majority of the people around here will just take him at his word and just, um, you say, oh, it's Chef Wicker scam again. Like, you know, what's he (laughs) ever gotten right? And like, even though his 2018 piece was 100% right and basically foretold the end of uh, Brady and Belichick together, um, let's just, you know, just completely disregard that. But I'm, I a hundred percent believe Seth Wickersham here. Bill talks to a lot of people. I, I am, I'm willing to bet pretty heavily that Seth has talked to him multiple times over the years on the record, off the record, you know, maybe Bill was saying that because he's, he didn't talk to him for this book, which Seth says in the book, in the forward to the book that, Brady and Belichick specifically uh, didn't talk to him, but um, you know, and Bill certainly has his way to get his point of view across to authors, columnists, you know, myself included. Uh, should he need to get something out without him getting his fingerprints on it? I mean, let's let's all be mature about this and and realize what's going on here and and. Uh, yeah, Bill's just trying to get rid of the story. All right, let's get to the football game now. Uh, a fun game, a closer game than a lot of people expected it to be, including us. I think we both took Tampa laying the points. That was a mistake. Uh, just first looking at the film, your overall big takeaway from what you've seen, looking at this team on Sunday night compared to what they looked like against the Saints, your big takeaway, Greg? I think they made progress. Uh I thought leaving the stadium on Monday morning, about 4 a.m., I thought that they had made more progress than, you know, watching back the coaches film this morning. Um, You know, I want to I want to temper that a little bit. And I still so people know I've watched the whole offensive all 22. I've watched about a quarter of the defense. you know, the defense was better. They certainly, they spun the dial against Brady. They executed. That was nice to see. Still some big miscues. I thought, you know, offensively, look, Mac played well. I, you know, I thought he played well overall. Um, you know, not too many dynamic plays, but I think most of his plus plays for me were against pressure. And, you know, that's really where I am with this team, Nick. I, the bottom line is they can't block anyone like, and and I'm sure we'll dig into it later, but like they can't, the offensive line can't block 
and, and multiple people. Isaiah Wincamp block, Owenu gets gets uh, benched. David Andrews now suddenly in the last two games can't block anyone. Uh, Shaq Mason has been fine. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he was pretty good. And right tackle we know has been a disaster. Um, the wide receivers can't block anyone. The tight ends can't block. The running backs can't pick up the blitz. Like, you know, what? I, I don't understand what the hell is going on down there. Like, I, I have never seen anything like this from their blocking operation. And, you know, for, for anyone out there, and I've even seen, I think the ringer did something about, like, you know, Mac Jones's decision-making and this and that. And first of all, just remember that most – most analysts, especially people who you don't really know their background and are younger, they come from a certain, um, let's say, bias when they when when they look at certain players and they they they're used to certain players and they prefer a certain type of player. Um, Matt, there's been nothing wrong with Mac Jones's decision making. Has it been perfect? No, he's played four games. Did he miss Hunter Henry in the end zone in the red zone? Yes, in this game. Yeah, he needs to put it on him. But Mac Jones is doing just fine, and he's playing well. He's he's not being dynamic or anything, but that's because they're not freaking blocking for him, Nick. Like, it's unbelievable. They can't – even when they try to do a shot play, they never get to it because there's too much pressure. And so until that gets cleaned up, and I don't know how it's going to happen, Nick. I don't know. We're now four games to it, into it. This is a group that the past, previous two years have been outstanding – and really been the, the the heart and soul of this team, and now there's just there's failures all over the place. I think Bill needs to seriously consider making a coaching change uh, on offense uh, at the offensive line. Um, it's that bad, or at least bring in somebody. Whether I'm sure people will be Skarnecchia, whatever. I don't know. I don't know whether he wants to come back. Um, I'm not going to bother him, and I'm not going to ask him. Even though I have his phone number, I'm not going to bother him. Um, but something needs to change because they, this is not sustainable for Mac Jones. It's not sustainable for this team. They have to clean up the blocking. It's just, it's not nowhere near good enough. Yeah. And it's incredibly unpredictable. It's the most unpredictable thing about this team so far this season is the offensive line play. All of us, if you had to write down the givens about this team, I would imagine that everybody would say it was a given that this offensive line would be good. Maybe not everybody felt as bullish on this O-line as you and I did. We said this could be the best O-line in football this year. It could be top three. I don't think anybody would have said, oh, that offensive line is going to stink. That offensive line is going to be unable to protect. So if they've got to send up the Dante signal, a la Batman signal, if that's what they got to do, that's what they got to do. Uh, a couple of other things before we move on here. Uh, so the fourth down decisions by Belichick, there was one near the end of the half. And then, of yep. course, there was the end of the game one, fourth and three. Let's start with the one near the end of the half. Was it the right decision by Belichick? I like that decision, Nick. I was I even tweeted in real time. I was like, this is a big part in the game right here. I mean, if they don't, if they give the ball back to Brady at midfield, with them getting the ball to start the second half, all, all of your good work. And they were leading seven to three at the time. So the game was exactly where the Patriots wanted it at the time. Going for it there and failing. And look, and, and the decision-making here and at the end of the game, again, I think all roads trace back to the offensive line, largely. Like if you have confidence in the offensive line, 
and that you're going to get protection and Mac Jones isn't going to have, you know, Devin White in his mug as soon as he turns around, then you probably go for it in both spots. But that's just not where the Patriots are right now. And you can't just, you know, that's why you can't look at stupid win probability charts. Like, because it doesn't take everything into consideration, including the fact that your offensive line can't block and your tight ends can't block and your running backs can't pick up the blitz with consistency. And, and so to me, I thought, look, I thought it was a, I thought it was a four point decision by Belichick. I think he thought, all right, I punt the ball. Hopefully Jake Bailey doesn't kick a touchback like he's been doing. And we pin him back and look, I don't love my defense, but 95 yards in this amount of time. Yes, they have timeouts. I have confidence that we're not going to give up a huge play. We're going to make Brady go 10 plays, whatever, to kick a field goal. And we can hold them to a field goal with 95 yards. Turning the ball over at midfield with that amount of time, all of a sudden you invite a lot more in. And I think by going for it, you increase the chances dramatically that the Bucs pick up 14 points and suddenly take a 17-7 lead before you touch the ball again. If you punt the ball, the worst it's going to be is 13-7 to with 10 points, a field goal and a touchdown. You're within a score. So that's a two, it's a two-score difference to me, that decision. So for me, punting the ball there was about we have the game where we want it, even if even the best case scenario for the Bucks, we're still going to be within a score. It's still going to be where we want the game, and let's go. Let's keep plotting forward and keep going and keep making this game go as long as possible. Uh, you know, we, uh, make it a wrestling match as long as possible. All right, so let's get to the one fourth and three at the end of the game. I'll let you know quickly how I felt. I hated it. I yep. hated the decision to kick the field goal at the end of the game. I hated it in real time. I hated it in the post game. I hated it more yesterday. I hate it even more right now on this Tuesday for many reasons. First of all, the third down play that you called before that fourth down decision was wide ass open. Jacoby yep. Myers, Jones is going to put it on him. And if he does, Myers is going 20 yards. It gets batted down at the line of scrimmage. That play was wide open. You've got mm-hmm. Mac. Cooking. I mean, he completed 18, 19 passes at one point consecutively. The Tampa Bay secondary stinks. So I look at this and I say, it's pouring rain out. It's a 56-yard field goal, which is obviously no gimme. And on top of all of that, if you make that field goal, Greg, Tom Brady will have about 55 seconds and two timeouts. All he's got to do is get into field goal range. I just saw on Sunday night last week, Aaron Rodgers with 37 seconds and no timeouts <laughs> win the game with a field goal with Mason Crosby. So even if you make that field goal, I still think Brady beats you at the end yes. of the game. So it's it's Mac Jones versus Nick Folk. 56-yard field goal versus three yards. The way mm-hmm. Mac's been playing, even with the offensive line, I'm taking the risk. I'm going with the rookie. I'm saying I'm putting this in the quarterback's hands, who's been fantastic in this second half, aside from the awful red zone decision where he almost threw a pick. But, yeah. you know, this is this is the moment. Let's go for the throat. You don't kick a field goal against Tom Brady. You go for the yep. throat. Uh, Nick, I completely agree with you, and I'll tell you why. Right after I tell you about BetUS, 
Listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. It's a big market. Football is right there, by the way. He's learning from Felger. (laughs) Football is going strong, and it's time to get in on the action. I can only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS. Why, you ask? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy stuff that Nick Cattles watches and tweets about <laughs> that I have no idea about. And they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Join now, check out the offers, and you can get up to 2,200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet at BetUS. Not well, mind you. And so should you. That's BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Enter BSJ when you sign up at BetUS.com for a special bonus. Enter BSJ. Please do that. BetUS.com, where the game begins. Up to 200% in bonuses. Up to 200% in bonuses. That's crazy. BSJ is the code again. So you agree with me on the fourth and three at the end of the game. Why? 100%. Um, Multiple reasons, uh, some of which you've laid out. Uh, number one, Tom Brady's on the other sideline. I don't, I, I don't want to hear anything from Belichick truthers about like, well, yeah, he hit it off the uprights. I mean, it was like six inches from a win. Like it doesn't matter. Even if you make the kick there, Brady is coming back and beating your ass. Everybody knows it. It's what he's done for years, Nick. Like it's not, it's not like there was 20 seconds left in the game or 10 seconds or, you know, that's it. So that's number one. Brady's on the other sideline with two timeouts. Number two, it's Nick Folk. He's like 80, and he has a bad <laughs> leg. He's been battling an injury all year. Um, you've never trusted him. I, I'm sure if I if I had the time to go back and look through all the game books, I'm sure there have been plenty of 50-plus field goals that Bill Belichick has passed up because it's Nick Folk. Okay, his consecutive kick streaks, none of them were over 50. His longest kick as a Patriot is 51 yards, and that was desperation to win the Jets game, I think. Um, The last time he made a 56-yarder in a game was 2010. That was 11 years ago. And it's raining. It's pouring. Like, you know, what are we doing here? Nick Folk is snoring. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So that's number two. Number three, Belichick's reasoning that two nine on third down, like his reasonings is complete BS. The Patriots didn't have many third downs the whole day. They stayed out of third downs. Probably I didn't realize it until I went back and looked at the game book. But do you know how many third downs they had in the second half? Two. They only went to third down twice. And one was third and nine, which they failed. And one was third and 12, not the same situation. In the first half, they had third and 17, didn't pick it up. But guess what, Nick? On their touchdown drive to Hunter Henry, picked up third and four, third and five on a DPI, third and three, which is the, which is apples to apples to the situation that they were in. And, and you know, third or fourth, I forget, I forget number of reasons I've had is I completely agree with you. It, well, his team had battled their asses off to that point. Like yep. reward the guys, 
Yep. Like, go for it. Be like, you guys have done exactly what I've wanted to. We've stayed within. We All we wanted was a shot at the end of the game. Here's our shot. And we are taking it because we're one and two. And we can't really – one and three is not good for us. It's not a death sentence, but it's not good for us. So we're going for it. And if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging. I mean, I just didn't understand it. I think it's – Nick, I think th- this reasoning that's out there, including from my boys, Felger and Maz, which I will go after them about today, about, yeah, Bill – yeah, Bill didn't want Mac Jones to deal with the loss that it was going to be on him. Oh I mean, God. come on. Who are we kidding here? Like, these are the same people, mind you, that told you all offseason – there's no way Bill is going to start Mac Jones in the Tom Brady game. They don't want to hurt his feelings. <laughs> they caught Cam Newton. He started this game. Bill doesn't care about any of that stuff. To me, Nick, I thought this decision was about a couple things. I thought it was, number one, Bill had little faith in his offense that they could – actually, offense and defense, that the offense could execute properly in a big spot against the speed – of Tampa when you know they were going to come with an all out blitz or something like that, which I'm sure Josh McDaniels had something good cooked up for. This is what you do. You game plan for this type of situation. Number and and he didn't probably had no faith that his defense was going to stop Tom Brady. They didn't stop Tua. They didn't stop Jameis in the same spot. They sure as ain't hell ain't stopping Tom Brady. And I think that Belichick by making this decision, I think he, he wanted to save face of Brady getting the ball back in any situation, make or, or if they made the field goal, that Brady comes down and wins the game in a walk-off against them on his home field. I think that he wanted to avoid all of that. And so Nick Folk, 56 yards, BS. Oh, he made it in warm-ups. We haven't made third down with his BS reasonings to it. To All of that adds up to, Bill doesn't really need to take responsibility and, and, and can't really lose in the situation. Hated it. Just yep. every once in a while, you, you got to show your cojones. This is the head coach who went for it on fourth and two years ago against Peyton Manning. Yep. And everybody was like, oh my God, what's he doing? And, you know, if you look back at that decision, which I roasted at the time, but you go back, he was ahead of his time. He was, mm-hmm. what did, what did LA do last night for anybody that watched that game? Brandon Staley has defined his football team. I'm not saying that Staley is a better coach than Belichick or anything, because some people will take that from this because it's 2021. But Staley has defined his football team. Last night, he's going for it on fourth down multiple times. It's a huge fourth down in the fourth quarter, I think from his own 44, whatever it was, and he's going for it. And he's got the lead, and he's going for it because he is looking at his guy saying, this is the personality of this football team. This is what we are doing. If we can step on the throat, if we have a chance, that's what we're going to do. And the guy who called for a fourth and two against Peyton Manning years ago is staring at a fourth and three on his home field against a Tampa Bay secondary who has a bunch of Jack, you know, a bunch of Jags out there. Yep. Richard Sherman, who, who got his ass torched all night long. They should have went after him more. You have three, three starting secondary guys, three of your cornerbacks gone mm-hmm. in this game. You've got a, 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 you've got one of the safeties. I think it was Whitehead. I think or it was, uh, I don't know, one of one of the two guys in the back end. He, he's getting evaluated for a concussion in the back. I mean, this is a bunch of dudes in that secondary. Yep. Drove me nuts. Uh, let's talk mm-hmm. about defense for just a minute because I know you've only watched a quarter. 
Uh, was it more about Brady being erratic off on Sunday night? Was it more about the Pats defense or was it kind of just fitty fitty? Yeah, I thought I thought it was equal parts both. I thought they, you know, they had a good plan. They really um, spun the dial. Um, it's nothing, you know, that we haven't seen from the Patriots in big spots. They didn't reinvent the wheel. Um, I thought it was very look when in the conversations that I've had with Brady over the years. Brady always told me that Rex Ryan defended him the hardest. That he it, Rex Ryan made him work the hardest, and I thought that this was a very Rex game plan from the Patriots, yep. where you you every every snap the the where the rush is coming from is different. Every snap the coverage is different. You know you're doubling a different guy every time. You just don't let the quarterback get comfortable, and it makes them it's so mentally tiring that you're like, all right, well pre snap I think this, and then post snap. Uh, you know, it's and and what they do last snap and and it's it's exhausting. And then Brady said basically the same thing to Peter King after the game, where he's like, "I'm so tired." Like they made Brady work. Now in the early going of from I watched, Brady's missed some throws. I mean, especially yeah. in some big spots. Like sometimes he was. It's funny, Nick. Sometimes he was in complete control, um, and you know deciphered well. And I thought that his receiver sort of let him down. I will say. The Bucs are just – they're not a very clean operation in the passing game. Like, you can't – I don't think Brady – the it's and it was obvious during the game. The only guy Brady really trusts in the passing game is Antonio Brown. Uh, I don't think he has a whole lot of faith. Godwin's a good player, but I don't think he has a lot of trust on where he's going to be or how he's going to react. Same thing with Mike Evans. Uh, I think that A.B. he has a lot more faith in. Um, but I thought Brady was just off on a lot of th- – already I have – him down for three just bad throws, uh, a couple to Cameron Brait. Uh, not having Gronk out there really affected him. Um, just took an, an, a, a, another guy away that he trusts, Giovanni Bernard. Uh, but I thought that the Patriots also did, you know, a nice job sort of mixing and matching. They covered well. Um, and so I thought that that was a good first step. I will say I thought it was, it was best for Brady when he – they took control of this game where Brady was just like what they didn't used to do against the Jets. The Patriots used to just kept throwing, they kept throwing and throwing, throwing against the Jets against these light fronts. And I used to get on them all the time about like, you you need to be able to run in these situations. Yep. Well, in the second half, basically Brady was like, especially that touchdown drive, Brady was just like, we're going to run every down. And I thought that gave them control. And I thought that was a mature decision and sort of, you know, movement in the game for Brady and the Bucks. I agree with you. I tweeted at halftime at Nick C radio. If you want to follow me, everybody follows Bedard at Nick C radio. <laughs> um, I tweeted at halftime. The Bucks need to run the football a lot more. Yep. Patriots should never run the football again. That that's kind of how the simple Basically. breakdown of that game, like the Patriots should not run the ball one more time in the second half. I don't care. Throw it 40. I don't care. And I thought that the Bucks. it was surprising to me because you and I talked about this last week. We thought the Patriots would play a lot of coverage against Brady. They were not going to allow him to throw for 500 yards. And we both thought that Leonard Fournette would have a big game. Hopefully many of you bet the over on his rushing yards because it was still pretty low going into the game. But, you know, when you when you look at it, first half, too reliant on Brady in the passing game. And then in the second half, when they did go to the run, their offense was much better. Uh, let's tell you about Legends before we get to three up, three down. Legends is a premium athletic apparel company 
And we're talking about this is built for the modern athlete, owned by some of your favorite athletes, including Willie McGinnis and many, many others. I think Steve Nash is another name that's on there. Uh, this stuff is top of the line. Look, Willie McGinnis, we know his career. Great NFL player. Uh, he's not going to get mixed up with something mediocre. He's not giving you anything average. He's giving you top of the line. Legends is top of the line stuff. Legends.com. You can use, use the uh, code PATS20 to save 20% on your first order. Again, that offer ends on October 10th. So it's Legends.com. PATS20. Save 20% on your first order. Even Greg looks fantastic with this stuff on. It's tough to believe, but his kids, his wife, they're telling him he looks like the Dwayne Johnson walking through his house when he puts this stuff on. He looks like the rock himself. Legends.com, Pat's 20, save 20% on your first order. And uh, you can thank Willie McGinnis for this outstanding apparel. Three up, three down, Greg. Um, let's start with three up, my man. Who do you got? Okay. Uh, let's just stick with the offense for now. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to okay. speak out of my rear end, um, <laughs> you know, right now, but I'm going to go uh, Mac Jones. You know, I thought he, you know, overall, I didn't think he was perfect in this game. I did have him for three minus decisions all in the second half, including, you know, on that near interception to Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry was open. He needed to put it on him. Yep. I know he probably saw Richard Sermon lurking, uh, but he's got to put it on Hunter Henry. Just put it on him. And That's even right. a little bit back shoulder. We've seen him make that. I've seen him make that throw in practice a hundred times. And it needed to be there. And I know Indomitian Sue being in your face, like as soon as you turn around is not ideal, but he needs to make that throw. That should have been a touchdown. It should have been a, it should have been an extra four points for the Patriots. And uh, it was, you know, nearly disastrous. Uh, there was a check down to, Damian Harris, where he had a couple guys, I think Aguilar and Jacoby Myers deep down the field. And there was another decision I didn't like, but I don't know why I did that. So uh, number one was Mac Jones. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got Mac Jones. He was really, really good. Give me uh, your next up. Uh, it's slim pickings. Um, and, you know, I guess I'll say Jacoby Myers, but I didn't love. He should have had a fumble. They got lucky on that. He had a tough time run blocking, and he. I also had him for a drop uh, that, you know, he sort of turtled a little bit. I thought he should have caught that ball. Uh, but number two was Jacoby Myers for me. I'm going to go defense. I thought Matthew Judon was a machine. Uh, I, The guy's been good all year, and I thought he was terrific. Uh, one more. Do you have one more? Again, slim pickings. Yeah, I guess I'll go with um, – the best of the worst on the offensive line. And that was Shaq Mason. I only had him for one and a half knockdowns. That's actually really good for that unit. Um, but, you know, I thought that, I thought that Shaq was the, was the best on the team. I'm just looking quickly over pro football focuses grade. They didn't have anybody on offense with higher than a 67. Ugh. They, it, which is, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. And on defense, just to, you know, quickly, what I said after the game, as far as my three up and three down uh, off the game, I'm just looking for it real quick. And it was, let's see, uh, I had Duggar and Judon. And uh, by the way, can we say um, 
Well, we'll we'll get to the three down in a second. Let's get to the three down right now. You can start it. Uh, Isaiah Wynn. Um, oh, he's awful. He's I don't know what's he going on. With him. I mean, he just got absolutely trucked early in this game, like an embarrassing ass over T. A rookie. Yeah, Joe Tryon's a rookie. Yeah, Tryon just dismissed him. I mean, that yes. is. I tweeted, I don't know what happened to Isaiah Wynn, but so far this season, he has absolutely royally sucked. And I don't know what's going on. Absolutely. Uh, Second second down for me, uh, I'll go with, again, picking between. Well, let's just go with right tackle, combination between Haran and Durant. They – Combined, they were not good. Yeah, J.J. Taylor, when you get your opportunity, oh, don't yeah, play the damn football. I mean, that's three points right there. That Such a gigantic turnover. Again, like the Miami game, this game is winnable. Stop the mistakes. The Taylor fumble was huge. Who else you got, Greg? Uh, I'm going to go Chris Collinsworth because during <laughs> the telecast, Hold he on. actually – I have Collinsworth written down. If I, could. <laughs> I have, nice. I had my joke, Collinsworth. It was all lined up. You beat me to it. Go ahead, go ahead, take it away. No, oh, no, no. You got it. You started it. Go. I was just gonna say. So I was listening to the broadcast uh, <laughs> during the game, and Chris Collinsworth says, "You know, Al, I think that uh, Dietrich Wise is the best defensive player on this team." <laughs> and I was just like, I just about fell out of my chair in the press box, like. I think I, I think I, you know, coughed up a cookie or something like that. Like, uh, what? This dude partially owns Pro Football Focus. Like, wait, hang on. I need to look at the, I need to look at the season. Uh, <laughs> I'll do it while you're talking. But then, but then he also said that, you know, Al, this Patriots defense really misses Juwan Bentley, who's really their best downhill linebacker. Like, bro what are we doing here? Like, could, could you have two worse statements? But I'll let you take it away. Cause I just no. want to see where pro football focus Collinsworth site has Dietrich wise ranked. The wise shit was priceless. Like <laughs> as soon as he said that everybody, I mean, everybody watching that game that knows anything about the Patriots just stopped in their tracks. And we all felt like we were living in some kind of alternate universe in what world is wise the best defensive player and and like you're watching matthew judon just dominate stretches of this Mm -hmm. game and something i don't i don't know i I don't know what took over i'm gonna give him too much credit maybe someone took over his body his soul his mind something went wrong maybe he had a stroke and and just try to like figure out what was maybe he thought it was judon i i i judon wears the sleeves so i don't know if you could do I don't know. That was that was uh, bananas. And all of us, you could see on Twitter, everybody was like, did he just call Wise the best defensive player on this team? Oh, I figured out why. You go to profootballfocus.com, where Chris Collinsworth is a part owner. Oh, boy. And guess who is the number one rated defender on the Patriots? Oh, shame. That would be Dietrich Wise Jr. Shameless. Like, this is just, this shows you, this, this is why, like, yeah, but guess where he's ranked in pro football focus? Like, come on. 
seriously, like who watches the Patriots and thinks that Dietrich Wise is their best pound for pound defensive player? Like, Chris give me Collins Adrian for. Phillips, give me McCordy, give me Judon, give me a bunch of different guys. I'd give even take Barmore. Juwan Bentley over Dietrich. I'd Wise. take Barmore over Wise. Hell, hell yeah. Oh my God. All right, one more Jonathan down. Jones. One more down, a guy that we love, but oh. I, I've got to say, Matthew yep. Slater. What the bleep? Like, what? you can't keep running out of bounds for 30 yards, Matthew. Like, you've been in the league for 100 years. You're one of the best special teams players that we've ever seen, as people would say. And you make that kind of critical – I mean, that critical mistake and the J.J. Taylor fumble, just game-changing, uh, just inexcusable. Uh, the BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day – $39.99 on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a patch junkie, and of course you are, then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Again, it's bostonsportsjournal.com. $39.99 on the annual plan. Greg, you let me know that you would get a question. Hopefully you got a question. Yes, I have a question, and I am just – trying to scroll for it because i had okay. it here and <laughs> Wasn't i on lost Facebook? it uh no it's on it's on twitter did the out um, get the best of it oh boy instagram let's see instagram now yeah the outage uh where is it anyways uh they it, one one of the re i can't find it now but just one of the readers wanted to know like you know, what is the deal with the offensive line? Why have they fallen off and why would they fall off like this? I mean, it's, it's a longer discussion that maybe we'll get in on Thursday and I'll especially start asking more questions about it. But I, you know, I'm astonished by this. I, I really wonder if, look, we've talked about the second year after Dante Skarnakia thing. I also wonder, look, maybe Cole Popovich who was not retained or at least is on ice while yep taking the COVID shot for whatever reason. He maybe has a personal reason at home, wife pregnant, some, who knows? Uh, maybe he was sort of the, the you know, tough person in that room. Um, maybe he got on guys' asses a little bit more. Maybe he was the, the, the bad cop to Brasillo's good cop, and it worked well last year. Whatever it is, it's not working. And, you know, Billy Yates is now sort of the assistant offensive line coach. It, it, it it's not good enough. And like, it's, it's sloppy technique stuff. Like David Andrews got beat uh, very early in this game. And, and first of all, they could not block Vita Vea like to save their lives. And, you know, David Andrews just, it, you know, he lunged and, and didn't move. He stopped moving his feet. Like it's like basic stuff that, that I don't know. The attention to detail is missing. I think, if this doesn't cl get cleaned up soon, like it, like this Sunday, I think the Patriots have to make a coaching move somehow. I don't. It doesn't have to be Dante. It could be anybody else, somebody who has a proven track record of getting guys and being hard asses and get them going. Because it's just, it's not sharp. It's not sharp at all. And it's not just the offensive line. It's a bunch of different positions, and they're just still in flux. This was a baby step for the offense. It was a bigger step for the defense. But it needs to be a whole lot better. The O-line's been a disaster. Hopefully this podcast was not a disaster and you enjoyed it. 
Uh, it is the Greg Bedard podcast, Patriots podcast, brought to you by BetUS.com and Legends.com. Check both of those out. Do help us. We want to continue to do this lovely podcast for all of you. He's Greg. I'm Nick. We'll talk to you next time about the Houston Texans, I guess. We'll be back later this week. Everybody be good for the next couple of days. We'll talk to you then.